What's up, Dunwoody? Welcome back to the What's Up, Dunwoody podcast. Welcome back to What's Up, Dunwoody. Uh, this is Matt, the realtor, and Justin, now known as the pool guy. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. That's, yeah. And we're here at uh, City Hall again with uh, Bob Mullen in the room laughing at us, and then Brent Walker. Is uh, Parks, is it considered Parks and Recreation, or is that yeah, just parks I got that from yeah, the TV we, show? We are Parks and Recreation now. Okay. Yeah, both. Nice. And there's <laughs> pictures up in your office somewhere of, uh, who was the who was the actress, again, that played the lead director? Oh, uh, her character was Leslie Nope. That's right. Show. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the actress's name, but that show is true. Like, all those episodes are based on real situations that happen in parks, really? parks across the country. Yeah, Nice. They actually offer classes based on that TV show now at state and national parks conventions. It's pretty funny. So. That's funny. So it's yeah. true what you see on TV. Yeah, of course it's, you know, a escalated. For, you guys aren't as we funny. don't laugh as much. But. Yeah. There's no documentary <laughs> crew around here. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, we don't have any notes today, so Brent, you just want to talk about the parks, where we came from? Sure. Um, how long you've been here, and a little bit about the Dunwoody Parks. Sure. So, I've been here since the beginning. Let's go back to 2010. Uh, the city had been uh, already incorporated in 2008, but the decision was made when they incorporated not to bring the parks on until 2010. So uh, they covered the basics, police, public works, uh, community development, that kind of stuff. And the original thought was let's get those services started, get our feet under us as a city, and then we'll bring parks on after that. So I was hired uh, in 2010, about two weeks before we took over the parks from DeKalb County. Um, DeKalb, you know, at the time it was during the recession period, their, their staffing was becoming more minimal and they were having to cover a lot more area. So uh, one of the reasons that Dunwoody became a city was because of the conditions that the parks were in at the time. So that's something that the community was really focused around, something they really wanted to see improvements in from facilities, maintenance, programs, all that stuff. Of course, you were seeing what was happening in Sandy Springs, you know, a lot of the other new cities that were coming along, what they were offering, and, and Dunwoody wanted that. Um, so, Understandably. Yeah, so it was, it was a, a pretty big impetus to becoming a city. A lot, what I heard coming in was, it was parks, paving, and police. The three Ps of why Dunwoody was a city. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I came from Gwinnett County um, this, uh, this year. It's, it's been like 25 years since I've been in uh, parks and recreation as a parks professional. So, um, I came from a, a um, very well-established parks department, um, very well-known throughout the country. So, I was able to bring a lot of knowledge and information with me that I picked up along the way from them. Because there was none here. Well, you know, it, 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 had, it had, its, uh, had its problems. Yeah. out the gate so that and that was kind of how we started initially was you know what is the low-hanging fruit you know where are the things that we can make an immediate impact for the folks in Dunwoody and a lot of it was maintenance so uh, when I was first hired on I was under uh, the public works director and parks was just a portion of public works um, and it was me that was it I was the entire parks department and uh, we had some maintenance guys that were part of the public works crew that cut the grass and help me clean the bathrooms and uh, just tried to get the parks into a better physical shape. They were pretty rough. We had a, a lot of a lot, a lot of the buildings still at Brook Run were still there and vacant and vandalized and stripped of metal and it was just it was a lot of issues that had to be addressed. So that was one of the first things we did is 
sort of coming up with the criteria for maintenance, what what was hazardous, what was a dangerous condition, what needed to go away immediately, and that's when we start tearing buildings down, trying to make the park at Brook Run more of a, a park instead of an abandoned hospital site. Yeah, what, what was that before? It was the Georgia State Retardation Center okay. for a good 30 years. It was a state facility where people with uh, mental and physical disabilities and, and uh, concerns could would live. It was a residential hospital. Uh, the back of the park had a the back 12 acre field in the back was a massive hospital site and there were dormitories on the property there were administrative offices there was all kinds of stuff the theater for the the patients that lived there so yeah um, they had a play like a stage play set up there was a full theater wow. there uh, we we tore it down a year and a half ago maybe two years ago um, so yeah, it, it was a remnant there, right? yeah like yeah the lights that point up at exactly the trees, you're walking like why are those there exactly and and according to people have been around for a long time it was a state-of-the-art hospital facility back in the day in the 60s and 70s um, they did a really good job of, of managing the patients they had and taking care of the folks that were there so um, but sometime in the 90s from what I understand the state decided to shut that facility down because of budgeting concerns and then put people in group homes around the state and then they sold it to DeKalb County for as park property and then DeKalb built the playground and the skate park they tore down the large hospital and tore down some of the other buildings and then they just kind of stopped yeah. and it just kind of sat there for a while um, and certainly over the two years between 2008 and 2010 um, you know, there wasn't a lot done by DeKalb County because they knew they were going to be transferring that park property over to the city anyway yeah. So and Ken kind of told us about how you guys purchased the the city land and how they mm-hmm. were asking a fortune for it. Yeah. How much was it again? Was a hundred? They uh, I can't remember. Yeah, we paid. So the house bill that allowed us to buy the parks gave us uh, it was a hundred dollars an acre and five thousand dollars a building, mm-hmm. I believe was the final decision. Um, and the idea was that the only residents were DeKalb County residents too. They paid. Mm-hmm. For these facilities already they they did the green space bond they paid taxes they were charged a county millage rate that had already paid for these park properties right and there wasn't a reason that now that they're a city facility that they should have to pay for them again right so that was the reasoning behind that and we were able to, to get it at that price so yeah we we certainly got a lot of property around 160 some odd acres in the onset, so it's like transfer. what sixteen thousand bucks or so. Yeah, and yeah. then we, or, you know, we picked up right? the Nature Center, the Sproul Center for the Arts, and uh, the library facility. Um, There's your answer. The, our last show, we were asking if the Nature Center was still under you. If that oh was, yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, I forgot about that. So that's kind of how we started. Uh, is there were so five agencies that were already operating in the parks when we took them over, uh, nonprofit agencies. And you had the Dominey Nature Center, Sproul Center for the Arts, Stage Door Players, the Chattahoochee Weavers Guild, and Dominey Senior Baseball. So I've never heard of those last two. Dominey Senior Baseball yeah, and, and the, Weavers? the Weavers Guild? Yeah. What's the Weavers Guild? Do? So we have a room, there's a small room in the back of the art center library facility that's full of looms and they're fiber artists they make fiber art shawls scarves lots of weaving so but and they're actually incredibly popular sounds There's like a, they'd be popular with the kids well it's more of a 
age demographic that's into oh, the fiber arts. Park, so, yeah. But, yeah. So, I guess that's recreation. Yeah, it's recreation. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a cultural activity. So it's a broad term then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It does cover a lot of bases. It can also be so. considered slave labor, maybe. Well, that's, <laughs> it's like, that's the beautiful thing about parks and recreation, and why I've stayed in it for so long is because it is wide open. I mean, the term recreation right. is there's no limits. I mean, and I'm still amazed at what people come to us with that they want to do and there is a population out there for it and you just never know yeah and clearly it's anything really. yeah it really is it is anything, anything that's that left people over that is throw a brand yeah deal with this. So, exactly and it's um so it's interesting it, it's always changing there's always new trends coming down the road and there's and just in general across the country i've been in it for a long time to see um just what how people want to enjoy their off time and it used to be Everybody signed up their kids to do something. It was, you're going to be in karate, or you're going to be in soccer, or you're going to be in baseball. They, we put people into classes and programs. And really what's happened is because of the economy and the recession, people have really started to trend towards, and just because we're kind of a different culture now, they want to be outdoors. They want to have self-guided opportunities. They want to be on trails. They want to ride bikes. They want to be outside. And then there's a huge... In economic engine now with outdoor outfitters and kayaking, biking, and all this stuff. REI, lifestyles. lifestyles, all that kind of stuff has really started to push this new idea of what parks are supposed to be, what they're supposed to offer, the more of a natural setting type. And the parks they built in the 70s, we don't build them anymore that way. You know, mm-hmm. there used to be uh, less emphasis on the natural environment unless it was just woods. Yeah. They would carve out massive athletic facilities and do all these things that, without a lot of consideration about the environment around it. But now, when you're designing those types of facilities, you really have to start thinking about, about Monday, yeah. you know, how is this going to fit into what we have to offer. And you know, with the park, we're around over 180 acres now. We've picked up a couple of parks at Georgetown and Pernishaw and the expansion of Brook Run. So we have to be cognizant of the limited acreage we have and try to balance all the desires of recreation that people have out there and there's still people that want soccer and they still want baseball some traditional park stuff but then we also have a growing baby boomer population that are still very active a senior now is not what a senior was when we were little it's not i remember going to the nursing home to see my grandmother now they're playing tennis they were riding bikes they're doing all the same things that millennials are doing and won't they want that same opportunity in the park. So we're having a program for those types of things and still provide your traditional parks opportunities through sports and all that. So it's a little bit of a balancing act uh, yeah, for what we have. Something Dunway doesn't really have. Take my son to Chambly to play soccer. Right. You know, and so well, it's, it's got to be a big field and, you know, yeah. space is limited. I never thought of Dunwoody as having a small parked area, but I guess they do. I mean, yeah, it does, uh, for, especially for the population we have. We're, we, there's a national average of parks per thousand people, and we're, we're pretty low. It's, a, it's about 10 acres per thousand, but that number is a little misconstrued sometimes because some people count their riverways they count their cemeteries they count church fields those are so fun though it's you know <laughs> i live in decatur we we go to cemetery all the time it's where we walk it's where we go for a walk it's quiet yeah. so there's we're at about three and a half four acres per thousand so 
Um, we would love to get to a realistic number of around five and a half. If we could get there, that would be something that we think we could accomplish with the property that may be available. But again, property values are going up. It's getting more expensive to buy stuff. So it just goes back to we have what we have. Let's make the most out of it. Let's try to hit all the targets we can as best we can so that everybody has something or a space that's flexible enough to do something in. Right. So we Ken was talking about how they bought up all the uh, Dunwoody Green space mm -hmm. when the you know prices were low in 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's good timing to buy that kind of land. Yeah, and we we bought um, we bought the what was considered the pipe farm at the time, that 16 acres in Georgetown, and at the time we also had a um, a letter of intent to purchase the 35 acres that the Shalford Hospital site was on down the road. So we'd already purchased the pipe farm and we had the 35 acres on hold. And at that time we uh, started to uh, put a parks bond referendum on the ballot. And uh, we had just finished our first initial parks master plan. This is in 2013, that'd be right. Yeah, around 2013, it's five years ago because we just did a five year update. Um, so we just finished that master plan and it was $60 million in improvements. It was a big chunk of projects to do all the parks in Dunwoody. And so when we rolled that out, um, the bond to keep all the property, we were hoping to be able to purchase it with if the bond passed. And that's when we had a, a, a letter of intent to purchase the 35 acres. But when the bond didn't pass, we didn't have the funds to be able to purchase all the property and keep it. So the way we were able to do that and still get the parks built is that's when the city went into a, uh, uh, an agreement through, uh, they would put it on RFP for design and, and purchase of portions of those properties. And we entered into that deal with John Whelan Homes. Right. So we were still able to keep the property and control what was going on there and build some parks we couldn't have a solid 16 acre park and a solid 35 acre park, but we were able to build pocket parks and Pernishaw Park within that housing community and then tie it all together with the trails. So that's what Dunley Green is with the bocce ball courts? Yeah. So does Wheeland maintain the bocce ball courts? No, is that we do. We oh, do. Okay. So yeah, so they're nice. public parks uh, that we built before Wheeland ever even came on the scene. So we finished before they did and had the parks built, which is important because we wanted to make sure the neighbors understood yeah like these activities are going to go on on in in your neighborhood and you know we, we tried to build parks that um would you would want in a housing community we weren't looking at building an amphitheater in the middle of the dunwoody green or something like that but something that they could use but also we could do smaller stuff in you could have bocce out there and you know we're looking at um there's another parcel connected to that that uh next to the square that is going to be a commercial development right. with restaurants that will help feed the bocce court area and the square so people can come out into the square while they're waiting on a table or whatever they can drink have a drink on the plaza while they're waiting they play bocce so we're trying to integrate this private home development with a public space and then a commercial activity in the same area and, and create kind of an economic generator in in uh, Georgetown so I'm excited about it yeah. yeah I mean it's gonna be cool and compared to what it was when we started it was just a 
PVC pipe sticking up out of the yeah. ground, depressed <laughs> property. It, it's going to be really cool. And, and some of the, the stuff that they're looking at putting in there is going to fit really well with the design of that part. We tried to design, design it kind of at a our upscale end, a lot of you know, nice fountain, you know, some granite walls, some things that people want to hang out in. Maybe a rooftop bar. Yeah, yeah. that would be a great setting. That's Michael go. Starling. I have nothing to do with that. But <laughs> so, I know where my staff meetings will be if that happens. Yeah. That, so. Have you guys ever thought about um, maybe crowdfunding some of these smaller ventures? Like, you know, uh, if you say, hey, you know, we can get outdoor ping pong under a pavilion somewhere. It's not going to take up that much space, and we don't need to buy that much land. Um, you know, putting it out maybe like a year-long campaign, and, and the people here in Dunway that want something like that can pay for it. Yeah, we we haven't had to do that. You know, we've been fortunate enough that we've been able to build kind of what we've needed to build with the budget we've had. We Dunwoody is is um, good about building as we go. They don't try to overexpand. Uh, and two, we, we try to expand our staff as we grow the parks department too. We don't want to have nice new brand new facilities that can't be maintained properly. Right. Or, and that's some of the problems I think that DeKalb ran into is they built a lot of new parks with green space bond money, but they didn't have the uh, operating budget to be able to support it with maintenance and upkeep and stuff like that. So we were approached, um, I'm trying to remember, which project was we had someone come to us about doing some crowdfunding for a project years ago and it slips my mind as to even what it was but um, fortunately we haven't had to go down the road most of the again the nonprofits that operate in our parks with the nature center and all those folks they kind of self-generate programming dollars for amenities in the parks also so they'll approach us and say hey we got a group of people that want to do this we want to pay for it is it okay if we work with you guys to put it in the park so it's kind of nice you can be kind of hands-off with nature center and yeah let them do their thing and yeah and that's that was the way the department was originally designed was we were acting as a facilitator for these nonprofits. they were already established in the community they've been here for 30 40 years had a great following so it's funny when we first started they they were pretty entrenched in their facilities. They'd been there for a long time, had ownership of it, and DeKalb really just kind of said, you do you, and we're over here. So when we came on the scene, there was a little bit of concern that we were gonna start trying to change their operations and do all this stuff. So they made it very clear that they didn't really need us to be involved in their stuff, that it was like, hey, we got this, we've been doing it for a long time by ourselves. Well, then we started creating a rapport relationship with the directors and uh, the people that run those programs and then it started turning like oh you're willing to do that oh you can keep that clean oh you can maintain that for us well how about <laughs> you're you put in bathrooms yes yeah, yeah, so right. <laughs> we get this and would you mind building that for us and how about this so it really they've been great relationships and so hopefully the what I tell our nonprofit partners like I'm here to make sure that you're profitable for yourself that you're sustainable because the longer you can be here and do this, that means it's not a burden on the city and the taxpayer to run these types of programs. Um, to run that level of programming, to have a nature center, to have an art center, to have all those things and run it through a municipal government or a county government takes a ton of money. Yeah. And it, you will never recoup what you put into it. So it's nice to have these agencies that do all their own hiring, do all their own programming, buy their own supplies, do all that, and then we're, the, we're there to give them 
the footprint they need in the park to be successful, and then, then we just let them run their programs. You know, maybe we need a social director, an official social director position here at uh, at City <laughs> He's Hall. Good at that. That's yeah, I do it for the neighborhood pool. So. There you go. But, so, I mean, it would be kind of cool to just jump around to different parks and create different events, you know? Well, that's actually what we have now. We we have grown. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, did like, you just hire I, me? No, no. <laughs> I got a job. <laughs> so we, I'm we, done with this podcast. I'm out. <laughs> so we have expanded, fortunately. It's not just me anymore in the department. We've tripled in size. I've got two other people <laughs> besides me. So we, we were able to add a, um, a maintenance manager on. Uh, a couple of years ago, somebody that could help keep up with the crews, and we've expanded our maintenance crew and grown that as we develop more parks. Okay, not social director. So, though. so. well, not yet. Oh, so last right. year, I was able to hire a uh, a program supervisor. Position. Oh, that sounds like the job. Title. Yeah, and so uh, Rachel uh, Waldron is our program supervisor, and Gabe Nepps is our parks uh, operations manager. So Rachel's job is to um, basically coordinate efforts between all of our nonprofits and with the new programs that we offer. So she has created lots of new uh, special events and community events from the city. We have our Grooving on the Green five times this year. We have several movies. We have our wine stroll now. Oh, wait, have, rewind. Where are the movies at? They're either at Pernshaw Parks or at uh, Brook Run. Oh. So we've got one coming how, up. How the ground. <laughs> yeah. We've got one coming July. And she works closely with Bob and his staff about promoting all our events. This Saturday we have our family fitness event over at Pernishaw at 9, uh, starting at 9 a.m. And then the next weekend, the weekend of Father's Day, we have Grooving on the Green uh, at Pernishaw also. So we have a free concert there. So those are all new city events. Um, they're not done with any of our nonprofits. We do invite them to come out and support the, the event and basically advertise for themselves at them too. But, she tries to coordinate our events around what their big events are so we're not stepping on toes and conflicting with what they're trying to do too so you know you guys need a giant electronic billboard that just has predominantly on. events right maybe you throw another ad in there to pay for things coke or something like that i don't know if that's code or not i don't know yeah, if i'm sure have animated it's <laughs> but i've got a great location George, georgetown pool we're right by the highway we'll put that thing up that's you true. just got to give us permission to do it people, people driving by can check it out so when is he going to be able to drive his bike from georgetown all the way over to brooker run to my neighborhood well first off i have to get a bike first yeah but we'll get you and the will bike. to ride a bike <laughs> yeah Get a motorcycle. One of those two-wheel things that explodes every once in a while. <laughs> so we have the trail runs all the way from Brook Run to Georgetown Park now at, at the playground at Shambly Dunwoody. Uh, we have done the concrete trail on um, for, at Perimeter Center East, where the old city hall used to be, down behind the new townhomes that are being built on Perimeter Center East. Uh, so the, all that's left to connect Georgetown Swim Tennis community over to the perimeter areas, we're setting a bridge and a new boardwalk within the next couple months. So it's been in permitting, we're almost done with the permit, so as soon as that's done, we'll bid it out, get it built, and, and that connection will be there. The trail from where Georgetown Swim Tennis is to Georgetown Park is still a little bit ways out because we're waiting to see what Revive 285 is gonna do along that corridor so we'd really like to get our trail along 285, kind of that would come up behind Kroger, 
and then slip. I think around he's talking about where you swim. So but no, <laughs> yeah. we, we 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 would come around you guys. We're right. not trying to, to to take anybody's property and. Well, you can we buy do. our pool. Actually, no, you seriously can buy our pool. We would love that. We're we're at the end of our fifty year lease. If you guys got the money for it, I'm, yeah. I mean, you gotta leave it there, but you know it's. <laughs> I'm sure it's Look, for sale. Always possibilities. Always possibilities. Well, it's, so, Coward, it's Coward that owns it, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And the trail could just be Old Spring House. And that's what we're going to do for now, Green. yeah. We're going we're gonna to mark the road with the Dominey Trailway logo that just shows that this is the connecting route mm-hmm. until we can eventually get the, the actual multi-use trail through there somehow. But it's um, it's challenging. The, the grade in there is a... I've ridden that man, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I stopped halfway and pushed yeah. up the hill. It was nuts. I I tried to see what it would be like one day to ride from Brook Run to the old city hall. It's fine going, no problem. Zip right down the hill. I carried my bike over the creek and came up behind the old city hall. But uh, going back, yeah, I had to walk. It was, yeah, it was steep over great. there by the townhomes. Too. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit of a hike up. But so you couldn't. The trail doesn't run from Georgetown across to uh, Dunwoody Green yet, right? Georgetown to Dunwoody Green. It it does Spring House to Georgetown. Right, it does not. No, okay. it's there's just, no path. Right, yeah. right. It it just terminates right there at the park. When um, when do you think that's going to be done? Years from now. Yeah, yeah. It'll be years. I mean, it's it's going to take uh, you know some money. It's not going to be a cheap trail to build because there's a lot of grade changes and the slopes. And we try to make all of our trails ADA compliant, so it'll be a lot of switchbacks to keep the grade uh, manageable. Well, they can put a path right in front of Richard Pearson's home. I'm sure he's fine with that. Just take maybe like 12 feet of this foot lawn. I don't know who he is. Yeah, but but like, <laughs> he lives in conversation. Right yeah. yeah. <laughs> if he makes it to 25 minutes into this show, he'll be hit. <laughs> but you know what? Speaking of, why don't we, uh, let's take a break for this episode and come back. We'll just restart another one. We'll talk about the future, maybe. Sounds good. Robot cars and everything. Okay, oh, cool. Right. Robot cars. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>